Today's story is rated R for profanity, sexual situations, and criminal intent. Yes, it's a holiday story. Merry Christmas! Escape Pod 33 December 22nd, 2005 Today's story, Santa in my pocket, by Merla 30 Ho ho ho, welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely, and if my voice sounds off, it's because I woke up this morning with 101 fever. Our baby's favorite hobby is collecting interesting new viruses at daycare and bringing them home to show us. But the show must go on, so here I am. This is our Christmas show, and I think the standard practice is that I'm supposed to say something here about the true meaning of Christmas, or what Christmas means to me, or some variation thereof. Well, I'm not going to do that. If Christmas is important to you, you've got your own ideas that are at least as good as mine. And if it isn't, then who am I to tell you that it should be? Here in the U.S., there's a vocal minority that is once again trying to manufacture a controversy about people and businesses saying Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas, as if Happy Holidays hasn't been around for decades. Their position seems to be that you will believe in peace on Earth and goodwill toward men, damn it, even if they have to fight you for it. My take on that is that peace on Earth becomes a lot more likely if we could all just say, Hey, are you hurting anybody? No? Then whatever you believe, it's cool. So, whoever you are and wherever you're listening, have a very happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Winter Solstice, Saturnalia, Boxing Day, National Maritime Day, and Agnostica. Thanks to Dave Mansfield for telling me about that last one. So, for our story this week, I bought a piece that's warm, deeply moving, and religiously positive about giving freely of oneself for the sake of others. Then I got this piece from Murr, and was just too funny to pass up, so we'll run that other story next week. Today we're happy to present Santa in My Pocket by Murr Lafferty. You all know Murr as the voice behind Geek Fu Action Grip and I Should Be Writing, and she's also narrated a few stories for Escape Pod. She's a professional writer living in North Carolina, with many role-playing game credits and a column in Knights of the Dinner Table magazine. She's also writing a book on podcasting with Rob Walsh, due out next summer. This story is her first fiction sale, and we're very proud that she chose Escape Pod to send it to. The story is read for us by my wife, Anna Ely, who had a little too much fun with this, but I'm not worried. No. So, pour yourself some eggnog and make it a double. It's story time. Santa in My Pocket by Murr Lafferty. Twas the night before Christmas, and of course I had fucking insomnia. I rolled over and peered at the massive dark lump that was my husband Pete. He didn't move, having drunk himself to sleep again. The beer cloud was almost tangible. He let loose a fitful snore, and I got up in disgust. I threw on a robe, intending to mix some brandy with some hot chocolate and watch something on the TV. I tried to peek in on the kids, and then I remembered that they were with my mother for the holidays. Ungrateful little bastards. My mother always tried to one-up me as a mother and make the kids like her better. With working all day and sometimes into the night, I just couldn't spend a lot of time with them. They should understand that I need to work to put food in their mouths, but they cried that they were neglected and started spending the afternoons with my mother. 
I figured they could eat her food and leave lights on in her house, so I let them, but I didn't realize she'll try to steal them from me. I toyed with the idea of calling Edward, but figured tonight would be the time his wife would answer the phone. Frigid bitch. No wonder he called on me every Tuesday at lunch. She hadn't put out in four years. Neither had Pete, for that matter. Once he had gained the extra hundred pounds of flab after our wedding, our sex life just ended. I bought him Viagra. He claimed he didn't need it, and yet still didn't touch me ever. Hell, for all I knew, he was doing Edward's wife. They deserved each other. While waiting for the milk to heat in the microwave, I lit a cigarette and stared out the window. The moon was not on the breast of the new-fallen snow. More like the street light sat grumpily on the belly of the brown yard, not letting it get up. I had never seen a white Christmas here in Raleigh, North Carolina, but our radio station still played White Christmas, Let It Snow, and Baby It's Cold Outside incessantly. I got sick of Christmas music by December 1st in these parts. When I was a kid, I believed it all. Like the old wives tell that animals would be granted the gift of speech for one hour on Christmas Eve. I tested that out by keeping my cat locked up in my room with me all night. She never spoke. But she did piss in the corner since she couldn't get to her litter box. So she still told me a magical Christmas message, loud and clear. I was about to turn on the TV when I heard something on the deck. It sounded like somebody had dropped a two-by-four. With wild thoughts in my head about robbers intent on Christmas presents and visions of myself playing the part of the tearful widow on tomorrow night's evening news as the woman whose husband was murdered in his bed on Christmas Eve, I put the cigarette in an ashtray on the table and peeked outside. I nearly missed it. It was so small. It was only because it was still moving that it caught my eye. First, I thought one of the girls had left a toy on the deck, but I don't remember either of them owning a toy Santa sleigh, a moving one at that. It was a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. I am not shitting you. Those little bastards couldn't have been larger than mice, those reindeer. The sleigh could have fit in my hand. The driver, in red robes that would have fit a Barbie doll, hopped out and hefted a black sack to his shoulder. He headed toward the sliding glass door, and I actually wrestled with the question of whether to open it for him. But he just walked through the glass and grinned up at me. Ho, somebody spotted me. You've received wonderful luck this Christmas. I blinked at him. Well, it's about time I did. He took a leap that a flea would have been proud of and landed on my kitchen table. Don't be afraid, ma'am. Come here and know me better. What the hell are you? I said. Well, I'm Santa Claus, Santa said and winked. I hate people who wink at me. So you're real? I sure am. So how come my husband and I go into tons of debt to buy the kids presents every year? Where do yours come from? My gifts are intangible. The Christmas sales and the grandparents and the MasterCards fulfill Christmas wishes now, for better or for worse. A small shadow crossed his tiny brow. You're goddamn right about the grandparents, I muttered. He looked startled, but I'm not clear on this intangibles thing. 
I appear to people who need to see. People who need the Christmas spirit. People like you, whose eyes shone as a child, but have since dimmed as an adult. Are you sure you're in the right house? I said. He sighed. This one is going to be difficult, it seems. He rummaged around in his bag and pulled out a list. What do you want? A white Christmas? Reconciliation with your sister? TBS to only show a Christmas story once in the season? Is that what people are asking for? This year, yes. That's all crap. None of that would make me happy. Snow is too cold, my sister's a bitch, and I don't get TBS. No cable. All right. I was getting tired of this. What about you tell me how you get around the world in one night? Ah, you want to know the trade secrets. This is fortuitous. I live in my own time bubble, if you will. While time flows normally for me in here, it goes very, very slowly outside. You may think we've been talking for five minutes, but look at your microwave. Only one second has passed. I looked. Damned if he wasn't right. Everything around me had stopped. The microwave, the kitchen clock, even the cigarette smoke hung still in the air. So this time bubble thing, how far does it stretch? About ten feet in diameter, he said. Great, I said, and grabbed him too quick for him to make any noise. I put him into my robe pocket and stuffed the dish towel on top of him while I thought fast. Edward lived a convenient three houses over. I walked in, knowing where they kept the hidden key. It was interesting to watch their dog, Princess, not even raise her head as I walked in. I thought about kicking her, but I thought that might kill her. I reconsidered it and then decided just to head to Edward. As I climbed the stairs, I heard a little voice in my pocket. Cole! You're getting cold this year if you don't let me go! He didn't sound worried at all about being caught. I gave the pocket a little tap and told him to hush. I woke Edward and assured him quietly that I'd drugged his wife. He was pretty drunk himself and didn't argue. We proceeded to celebrate Christmas in the best way we could think of. He never was that smart. He did wonder why I left my robe on, but I did some things that always distracted him, and he stopped caring. Santa did not appreciate being in my pocket for this, and honestly, I felt a little weird about him being there. But I shoved the dish towel deeper when he made protesting noises and concentrated on the task at hand. I left Edward soon after, taking my time bubble with me. I imagined the shocked look on his face in his time speed when I left the room. He must have thought I disappeared. Dumbass. Santa shoved aside some of the towel and peeked his head out of the pocket. Did I mention coal? I think you're going to inherit a coal mine with very questionable insurance coverage. You can't bring me coal if you never get free, Santa, I said. I walked happily back to my house and got close enough to the microwave to finish heating my milk. I had been given the gift of time. Or rather, I had stolen the gift. Well, more like I stuffed time in my pocket with a dish towel. A dirty dish towel. Still, it was nice to have. I opened all my presents, snorting with annoyance when I saw the kids got me a ceramic mug and a hideous cheap necklace. Pete wasn't much better. He got me some horrible perfume and a paperback book I'd seen him try to hide the last time he came home from the grocery store. 
My mother had sent over more books. What is it with my family giving me books? They knew I didn't have time to read. They were self-improvement books, too. Not really subtle. Then it occurred to me that the neighbors all had nicer things than I did, and they couldn't really stop me from doing, well, whatever I wanted to. I broke into all the houses on my street, taking everything I wanted. Stella Birch's platinum necklace that she's always showing off, Hank Wise's antique shotgun, and a fat wad of cash in the Poulsen cigar box on the top of the desk. Real good hiding places, guys. It took about two seconds of real time to get through all the houses, even with a couple of trips back home to dump the loot. I tried to think of what else I could do with this power. Robbing banks came to mind, but what I really wanted was sleep. About ten hours had passed from my perspective, and I realized I'd been waiting for the sun to rise. I was exhausted. It would take me days to see daylight. After that, I wouldn't be able to get decent sleep for several more sunlit days. Add that fact to the one that my only companion was the little shit in my pocket that kept talking non-stop about coal. His latest threat was to turn me into a coal miner and let one of the hard-working miners take my place. I ignored him, but I tried to think of a plan. I couldn't let him go, but it would have been nice to get some sleep and maybe see the sun in a reasonable time. I went down to the basement and rummaged around, looking for a birdcage or something. I found an aquarium my husband had owned in college and struggled to lift it onto the ping-pong table. Santa dropped inside, complete with his dish towel, without comment. I grabbed the S encyclopedia and put it on top of the lid. Now you be good in there, I said, shaking my finger at him. He just stared up at me. I thought I saw him wink again, but it could have been the basement light. I stepped back, unsure of leaving his time bubble. He should just stay there, even if he was moving around too fast for me to see, right? I'd caught him. He would have gotten free if he'd been able to, right? I left the area I'd consider safe and took a deep breath. Nothing seemed different. Well, nothing except that he had disappeared. I stepped forward again, expecting to see him. He was gone. Shit. Remember, I said coal, said the voice behind me. But I think we'll go for something better. He seemed taller. He grew and grew quickly. In fact, the entire basement grew with him. What was he doing to my house? He was huge. It was huge. Or was I small? He looked sad, that bastard. I always hope you people would surprise me. I really do. I like to hope for the best, believe that Christmas can bring forth a miracle. I gave you the present of nearly infinite time, and you did nothing good with it. Ah, oh, well, it all works out, since when the Christmas miracle doesn't happen, at least I have a new elf for my shop. I'd been played. As his huge, white-gloved hand reached toward me, I tried to take comfort in the fact that at least I've had a last fling with Edward, and I'd not have to deal with my family's bullshit anymore, that I'd finally get to see the mysteries of Santa's workshop, but the triumph didn't feel real. I remembered that Santa and his elves were immortal, living in this snail's pace of an existence, where whole days to them would mean hours to real people. I started to struggle and cry as the hand closed gently around me, smelling of gingerbread.
And that was our story. Do not screw around with the Jolly Red Man, children. The Jolly Red Man has got some bitchin' fly moves. Here's a holiday spirit promo from Geek Acres. Was the night before Christmas, and on my PC, I was loading my iPod to take out with me. A long night of traveling with toys to disperse had me itching for podcasts the best in the verse. On Slice of Sci-Fi, on Winging It too, on I Should Be Writing and Merce First Geek Foo. With Inside the Magic, I simply can't miss Escape Pod and Twit for more geeky bliss. The signal is shiny. The bitterest pill should make Santa laugh, and I'm certain it will. Some Coverville now, and Sturgeon's Law rocks. And for the Joss fans, there's Firefly talk. Now hitch up the reindeer and let us take flight with podcasts in hand on this Christmas night. From my cast, Geek Acres, I'll say it most clear. Merry Christmas to all, and a geeky new year. Geek Acres is Doug Rapson's podcast for geek news and pointers to a lot of the cool geeky stuff that he's found in dusty corners of retail and the internet. And every podcast he shouts out in that promo is a cool one. Thanks, Doug, and happy winter. Also, happy winter is what it said on the Christmas card I got from today's featured listener, Chuck from Bridport, Vermont. Chuck had mailed in a donation to us because he hates PayPal. I can sympathize with his view there. And he sent it along with a beautiful handmade Christmas card from his wife, Grace. He had a nice note inside, too. This was a very thoughtful gift, the sort of thing that breaks through even the thickest shell of curmudgeonness. So thanks very much, and happy winter to you. If you liked what you heard this week, I hope you'll tell a friend so they can catch us with the iPod they're getting for Christmas this year. And if you ever mind to and have the resources, I hope you'll consider donating to us as well. We are still, to the best of my knowledge, the only paying market in podcasting, and we rely on the voluntary support of our listeners to keep going. Either way, Escape Pod is released with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. It's the gift that keeps on giving, in original form in any manner that is not primarily intended for or directed toward commercial advantage or private monetary compensation. Whew! All of the rights are, as always, reserved by our authors. Our music is by permission of Dai Kaiju, who know the true meaning of eclectic monster movie psycho-surf metal. Experience the magic at daikaiju.org. That was our show for this week. Be good to people, spend time with your families, watch the Charlie Brown special if you've got to watch anything, and have fun. And really, don't with the Jolly Red Man.